You're listening to Wellbeing Connection, the CMHA Manitoba and Winnipeg podcast. I'm your host, James Wellsman. The Canadian Mental Health Association, Manitoba and Winnipeg, wishes to acknowledge that we are gathered in Treaty 1 territory at the crossroads of the Anishinaabe, Métis, Cree, Dakota, Ojibwe Nations, and on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe peoples and the homeland of the Métis Nation. None of the content in this podcast is intended to replace the advice given to you by your medical team. If you are in crisis, please phone the Manitoba Suicide Prevention and Support Line at 1-877-435-7170 or text CONNECT to 686868 for the Kids Help Phone. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Wellbeing Connection. It's James. I'm here with my co-host, Stephen, and we have special guests from Ontario Shores, Holly Harris and Julia Houston. So welcome. Thank you so much. It is so great to have you folks here with us. Um, I just want to help our listeners understand uh, what is Ontario Shores? Are you close to the water? Uh, What's going on uh, at the place that you work? Yes. So Ontario Shore Centre for Mental Health Sciences, we're in Whippy, Ontario, and we are a tertiary mental health care facility. Um, Yes, we're right on uh, the water, right on Lake Ontario. It's a gorgeous facility. We provide inpatient and outpatient services to individuals um, with mental health challenges. And we also, Julie and I are part of a team that is bringing recovery colleges into the post-secondary space. So we do a lot of partnership work and system transformation activities. Our tagline at Ontario Shores is discovery, recovery, and hope. And that's what it's all about. And that's why we're here today. You know, folks that are listening at post-secondary has begun. We're in our third week. Can you believe it? And we're recording on election day. So when you hear this podcast uh, later on the week, you will either have a new prime minister or you're stuck with Justin for another few years like myself, okay? And so today we really want to focus our attention on the well-being, mental health of post-secondary students. Folks, we know that the the new psychological standard for post-secondary has been out for uh, approximately 18 months and really a great standard that gets campuses more involved in more of a whole campus-based approach to mental health and recovery. And so what's really great is the work that both of you are doing as relates to Recovery College. Now, I know that our folks learned about Recovery College uh, several podcasts before, but maybe you can kind of give us a bird's eye view of what Recovery College looks like in a post-secondary environment. Wonderful. I think Julie and I could talk about this all day. (laughs) We're so passionate about recovery colleges and recovery colleges are typically found in um, tertiary mental health care facilities or community mental health agencies. Um, But now there's this expansion into non-traditional settings, such as the post-secondary space. And really what it is, is it's a mental health and well-being education center. And sometimes when I say education, students like run for the hills. They're like, I don't want any more school. I'm already doing so much school. Right, exactly. So there's no tests. There's no exams. There's no grades. Really what it is, is it's a place where we can engage and create community 
and talk about these topics that are often seen as taboo. We can learn from each other and recognize that we all have experiences with mental distress, some more frequent and some more severe than others, but we can all pursue a purposeful and meaningful life through community. We all have things that we can share and learn from each other. And it's recovery. When I say recovery, it's really about living a purposeful, meaningful life, despite these experiences with mental distress. Um, And my favorite part of the post-secondary recovery colleges is the student voices at the center of everything we do. Julia and I are students ourselves um, who have lived experience navigating the mental health system and navigating wellness as post-secondary students. And we facilitate the courses and we help schools build these programs where we actually create the courses with students from their school. So we make no assumptions. Um, These are spaces where experiences with mental distress, they're they're not a source of shame. They're a source of strength and expertise. And there's no power imbalances. We're all members of a community. We're all peers. Um, So there can be courses on, on learning about mental health and mental health treatment options. It's not therapy. It's not clinical. It's education. But there can also be courses on things like Um, Ontario Shores has a recovery college and we have a course on Caribbean cooking. We have guitar, um, maximizing your passions and your life outside of mental distress and creating new meaning out of these experiences. Well, and it, it's amazing to hear what y'all are doing, uh, there. And I know that you're working with some campuses, uh, in Ontario, and I'd love for you to give a shout out to the folks that you're supporting. Yeah. Um, so we are supporting, uh, we, First started at Ontario Tech University. That was the first um, university that we built a recovery college at. And that's in in Oshawa, is that correct? Yes, yes. And then we moved to McMaster in Hamilton, um, University of Toronto Scarborough campus. And we are now at George Brown and Durham College. Um, So really exciting stuff. It just keeps growing. And we are so, so excited to see where it's going to go. One of my alma maters, uh, Durham College there. It's so great to see the commitment and um, that you're working with these people. And it's, I, I think about when I was a student in Durham College and hearing some of your lived experience and my lived experience, my recovery journey really began and I started to flourish towards the end of my post-secondary. That was when I needed these supports and just thinking the opportunity students have now with these recovery colleges, what what an incredible what a gift. Right. Right. And sorry, I think too, like what I love so much about this movement, it's like as much as Holly and I are facilitating the courses, like I learn so much from the students every day. Um, We're not experts. We're not going to have all the answers. We can speak on our own lived experience, but students also communicate their own lived experience. And I have learned so much from the short time I've been in this role from the students. So it's really amazing. So fortunate. One, to work at Ontario Shores, who values our expertise as people with lived experience. I've been a consumer of the psychiatric system for 17 of my 25 years, and it really is so um, meaningful to be able to leverage my experience in this new ways. It makes things that are really, really heavy just a little bit lighter. And we're so fortunate um, to work with partners who are so invested in maximizing the voice of students in programming and leveraging these voices as a source of strength and expertise. And we're just so fortunate also to be able to learn with students um, and our peers together and create community in these ways. And and the beautiful thing about recovery colleges and peer support, it's all evidence-based. So it's not something that we kind of 
put in a hat and we thought, okay, what is your idea? What is your idea? And let's, and poof, we, we now have this, this, this system. Really, this is being created with students, with campuses, with everybody on those campuses who have done that buy-in. So whether you're a faculty member, a staff person, an administrator, the importance of keeping students engaged in why are they at the institution? You know, the, the idea is we all want to flourish. We all want to succeed. We all want to, at the end of our degree, walk across that stage, get our diploma, get our degree, and then make those next, those next you know, steps in our lives. And I think, you know, sometimes when we have those stressors, and we talk about this all the time here at CMHA Manitoba, Winnipeg, is that we have not normalized stress. And so when we don't normalize stress, it's really easy for that to creep into distress. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, what are you hearing from students as it relates to, you know, I have all these competing priorities, I have all these demands, I didn't realize that university was going to be so hectic. This is not what it looked like, you know, in high school or at the other university I'm at. I'm curious, what are people that you work alongside saying as it relates to, I need this recovery college, I need this peer support because... I love this question. What we hear from students all the time is the discrepancy between what we're expected to know as young adults and what we are taught or feel prepared to do is so wide. And this discrepancy can be so distressing. What students are craving is community where they don't feel alone, where these experiences are normalized and recognized as understandable. Being a post-secondary student is a time of significant stress. That is the way the system is, is structured. It's a stressful time. So recognizing that they're not alone, they don't need to be ashamed, and really gaining the language to talk about these things in a way that feels really comfortable and authentic to you is something that has been so, so powerful. I think the things, um, there's a model uh, of personal recovery, and which is living that purposeful, meaningful life. And five things that we need to be able to pursue this journey uh, is connection, hope, identity, meaning, and empowerment. And these are the things that the Recovery College is designed to influence. So I think, but really the needs of each different school, they're different and the courses look different, but the mechanism is the same. The mechanism is community. Absolutely. I think so much of how I lacked that community in my post-secondary some of it as a result of the mental illness I went through, but also we hadn't really understood how important that is. The loneliness, we know loneliness is so, um, it's becoming like an epidemic through the COVID, uh, through this time. And yeah, it's just so great that you're able to give back in that way. This is exactly what people need. You're really listening to the people and what they truly need. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the pieces that, that I love, you know, um, I have my master's uh, in student development and counseling. And, you know, so going through this whole idea of theory, and I think of those seven vectors of student development, you know, and like, what are the first few that are really important? Uh, and one is, you know, developing competence, you know, who doesn't want to be able to uh, learn something and then feel like, okay, I, 
I get it and I can, I can now use this. Managing emotions and developing autonomy. Uh, this idea of maturing in our interpersonal relationships is critical. And it doesn't matter if you're you know, 18, 19, this is your first experience of post-secondary or whether this is your third or fourth and you're coming back for a second or third career, it's really about this sense of belonging and this sense of connectedness. We're made for connectedness. Even this introverted person in front of you right now, and I know it's hard to believe that I'm an introvert, but I am. I enjoy quiet. I enjoy being alone. This excites me. Anything that excites me, I get jazzed about. And so when we're thinking of this competency and we're thinking about these interpersonal relationships, what are students saying in terms of course to like the courses and the topics? Like what, what are keys to folks really feeling like they're onto something that's gonna be really beneficial for them? Yeah, I think um, really what we've heard from students is like Holly said, like back to that like community and relating to each other's lived experiences, um, knowing that you're not alone um, and that other people are going through these things as well as I think a really thing that we've heard from students. And when you think of like, they're not alone, and I hear that quite often, like when, when they connect that, that there's somebody else, I, I imagine, it, do they say, I, I feel I'm not alone or did they, or is it more of, you know, gosh, I can really relate with this and I can really learn from what you possibly did in terms of that response to that distress that you're living and finding that hopefulness in, people sharing about how did they, you know, and I, I know that students, okay, we're going to use this word right now and don't turn off the podcast. Okay. <laughs> we're going to use the word resilience, but we're, we're friends. We're taking this back. Okay. We're taking the word resilience back. Like this idea of bouncing back, you know, that, that, Oh, here is something that I could possibly put into practice or work towards practicing that will create that bounce back. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, just going back to um, whether we're hearing explicitly that people um, feel like they're not alone. We do hear it explicitly. People say those words, but also we see it. Um, people sh are sharing their experiences, navigating distressing things and sharing their tips and strategies on how to manage these things. And as we know, there's no cookie cutter way um, to address distress or um, things like that. But really what the Recovery College is designed to do is to empower people to try. I can share my lived experience. Here's what's worked for me. But I don't do that to say this is what's going to work for you too. Mm -hmm. I do. There's another thing that you can add to that trial and error list. And learning what doesn't work is also learning. But eventually we'll find things that do. In terms of resilience, I know this is a word that students hear all the time. And yes, I think we should take it back. Um, I was interacting with a student a couple of weeks ago, and they had this really brilliant analogy about resilience that makes it uh, a little bit more palatable, I think. Um, and it's about bouncing back. So what they said was resilience is being a willow tree. In the wind, a willow tree bends, but it snaps back in face of setbacks and um, things that aren't going the exact way that we planned. Don't be an oak tree. An oak tree snaps in the wind. Be a willow. And your roots are those are your supports. Recovery is a community effort. You don't have to do this alone. And those roots of the willow tree 
are your network, are the strategies that we have um, found through trial and error. So I, I love that. That's so great. James, go ahead. Yeah, uh, I love the sentiment behind taking back this word. I think we can often with a lot of the efforts that we're doing to promote mental health, it, it's easy to get caught up in these words that can eventually seem cliche over time. They start to lose their meaning, but it's similar thing. We're bouncing back. We're taking what we've learned and we're like the willow tree going right back. Yeah. And th that example, that symbolism that you can thrive even in challenging times. Right. And, you know, with online learning, with folks in whatever faculty you're in, you know, whether you're in nursing or whether you're in engineering, you know, co-ops, you know, with, you know, all these sorts of things that have kind of put, been put on hold. Uh, students really excited about this experience of a practicum. Students really excited about, gosh, I'm on this scholarship for this sport or for this, you know, talent and this thing that I've been, you know, perfecting most of my life. And I'm really excited to learn in this setting, and now they can't do those sorts of things. And so it's easy to get really discouraged and really depressed when all the plans that you've had are kind of, you know, not put on pause, but told, no, you can't do that right now. And we really don't know when you're gonna be able to. And so I'm, I'm curious when you have students that are taking these courses, and they're engaged in that co-production. I'm, I'm curious, you know, so the co-production, help, help our listeners understand, you know, that co-design, that co-production that happens. And then those that have been a part of that co-design then taking the course mm -hmm. and what their experience, because I think this can be really magical. And I imagine from the looks on your faces uh, that it is. Um, so we have a really robust process that we have designed as, as students ourselves to maximize the voice of our community members. So the first thing we do is when we engage with a school, we do a needs assessment. So we understand where are those gaps in terms of programming. We consult staff um, who are on the front line working with students, and we also ask the students themselves, what aren't you getting? Um, where is the stress coming from? What are the things that we could address in programming like this? Then we actually run a co-production event or process. So we bring students together and we get allow them to react to some of those topics that came out of the needs assessment. Would a course on this be helpful? Um, what would the topics be? What would the resources be? What would we call it? When would we run it? They design every element of the courses. And then we basically say, if you could have your dream course, what would it look like? And then they come up with these brilliant ideas and they bounce off of each other and they build it together. And then at the end, we obviously can't run a hundred courses. I wish we could, that would be awesome. But we say, if you had to rank them as from uh, most impactful to least impactful, which should we run now? So then there's two ways that it can go after that. Either Julie and I, as students, we go away and we create the courses, then we bring them back a month later to the students and say, is this what you meant? Is this representative of our conversation? And usually the overwhelming answer is yes, and they give us some really brilliant ways to tweak and tailor the courses. But some schools, the students want to be involved in that nitty-gritty process of fleshing out what each session in a course will look like. So we do that. And then um, they're peer-run. So Julie and I, we run the courses at first at the schools. 
But we've also developed training where we can train students to from the schools to actually run their own recovery colleges. These are meaningful employment opportunities. There's student work terms dedicated to this, really meaningful employment opportunities. And the training really sets the stage for success and have to have this be a meaningful experience for the facilitator and also the students. Um, in terms of the students who take the courses after we engage in this co-production event, their voices are there. It meets the need because we're not assuming. Um, they designed it themselves, so it's, it's their course. It's not ours. We're just there to help create the community, but it's theirs, really. Yeah, and I think just the process of co-design, like I've only been a peer support specialist since July, so I am very new to this role, and I was really new to co-design coming into this. But as soon as I learned about it, you know, it almost seems like common sense. Like, why would you make programming for students without consulting them first on what it is they need and want um, with regard to their own well-being and being a post-secondary student? Um, so, yeah, I I think it's a wonderful um, experience. And it just, yeah, it just makes sense to me. It really results in really relevant and impactful solutions yeah. to problems that are identified by students as problems. Well, you know, it's really exciting. Thanks for uh, joining us, folks. If, you, if you're just joining us for the first time, uh, we're here with, uh, with Holly and Julie, and we're just learning so much about Recovery College and peer support. And what I'm hearing is, you know, everybody's at this, this same level. There's no hierarchy. There's no, you know, this, this person's more important, you know, the training that you do. And and I'm curious about that because sometimes people go, oh, gosh, I have to be trained. Like, that's going to take so much time and I don't have this time. You know, I'm a student. You're asking for too much. Those are some of the excuses that I can think of. But knowing that these are folks with live living experience, I'm curious if you can share with our audience their, their actual response. Yeah. So... What we've heard from students is that this training is so meaningful. It isn't me or Julia lecturing. It is a conversation. It's talking about those things that are really, really important to us. And what I really try to drive home in that training is what students need to be successful in peer support is inherently within them. The goal of this training is to bring that out, to empower them, to leverage their authentic self, to connect with their students and learn together, to create community and be confident in doing that. And we were really, really thoughtful in creating this training. And again, we co-design everything. Like, I don't think Julie and I will ever run a program that we don't co-design because um, we don't want to make those assumptions. So at the time when this training was created, I was the only post-secondary peer support specialist, to my knowledge, in existence. So normally when I was creating training, I would, I would ask people in the role, but it was just me. So what I did was I consulted students who practice peer support already in different um, programs other than the recovery college. There is such um, a powerful emerging movement of peer support in post-secondary campuses. So I consulted that community and said, when you started practicing peer support, what did you wish you knew? And then there's also a very established recovery college peer support specialist community. So I consulted them as well. And I took the both of these sets of expertise from so many brilliant people that I that I worked with. And I smushed it together to create this really robust training. And we talk about the personal recovery phenomenon that emerged from the consumer survivor ex-patient movement, 
when people started demanding more than clinical care, um, they started demanding demanding connection, hope, identity, meaning, and empowerment. And um, we talk about peer support and cultural competency, trauma-informed care, boundaries, intersectionality, um, and also do that. So we prepare them with a lot of the theory and the reasoning behind why the recovery college is so impactful and so important, but also with some really tangible, practical tools that they can use to be successful in this role. Yeah. And Holly trained me when I came on as post-secondary peer support specialist. And really what I took away from that, like you said, is like to be successful in peer support, it is inherently within you. You are an expert in your own experience. Um, and sometimes you're not going to have all the answers and that, that is totally okay. Like, are you like kidding I, me? You don't have all the answers. It can't be true. <laughs> we are but still learning. We, are, um, we yeah. are still students. We're learning in our own experience. Recovery is an ongoing journey um, and we can all learn from each other. Yeah. And I love what you just said there. And I heard this quote that I love so much. Peer support is about being an expert in not being an expert. And that takes a lot of expertise. <laughs> that's peer that, support. That's beautiful. And James, you know, you, you're... Uh, a peer, you'll always be a peer support, uh, you know, oh, yeah. uh, specialist. Uh, even in your experience as a peer support uh, specialist outside of your university time, like what would it look like if you were doing peer support, you know, in your university days? What would that look like? Would have been a bit different at the time because I think there was there's not as much knowledge about the benefits of co-production, but knowing what I'd know now, I mean, uh, I can see even how I'd approach it with my science study groups where we're taking a multifaceted approach of we're helping each other study, but we're not in competition. We're all here learning each other. I mean, there was a lot of competition for med school at the time being in a biomedical science program. Uh, I remember that the professor looked or someone who was giving a speech um, was just saying that oh, in this room, maybe two, three or four people will make it into med school. And mm. that reality was so hard for everyone to see and just letting people know that this isn't the path for everyone that they can take this experience and move into something meaningful. I'm lucky enough that I had the ability and the ability to go through my recovery and switch it into a psychology and um, addictions and mental health path. But I think of those people, I think of those people that it could have impacted who left after the first year when their marks weren't quite enough to succeed to get into medical school. I think of all those people that I met who just, I haven't heard from since because after their first year, they, they dropped out and said, this isn't for me. And I think of all the people that um, maybe spent a little more time in their rooms later on in the in the year and what I would have known now to be able to reach out to those people. I just think the co-design and the community aspect of everything would have influenced not only just a peer support group, but every single group I'm a part of and getting everyone involved, making everyone feel like they, I know this is another one of those things that they're, they're not alone, but they really aren't. Uh, it, yeah. it, everyone shares those anxieties and stresses. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that peer support, yes, there have been more formal roles such as Julianne mine that have been created because for as long as people have lived with mental distress, which forever, um, people have provided each other with friendship, 
shared coping strategies, and supported each other through dark times. And really what peer support is, is yes, it can happen in a formal setting like the recovery college, but really in essence, it involves at least two individuals with shared or similar experience engaging in relationship for the development of both parties, really. In essence. That's, that's, and you just said it, right? It's more than one, right? And so many of us who have lived experience like myself, James, us folks, you know, we always feel like this kindred spirit whenever we're talking, you know, because there's so many things that we do outside of a podcast uh, with Holly and, and Julie around, again, recovery college, peer support, you know, are helping people share their story. So, you know, we're, we're all a library of experiences and stories. How do we share that in a way that can inspire, but then also helps us in our own recovery goals. And so when I think of the peer support and I think of, you know, the outcomes that people are looking at, you know, obviously goals, you know, improved quality of life, uh, increased knowledge, perhaps of some of the capacities that they have limitations, but also the, the opportunities to build capacities, manage uh, skills, uh, reduce the stressors in our life, not sabotage ourselves and not struggle with, you know, and I think a lot of students, and I'd love for you to, to share about this idea of imposter syndrome is, is becoming more and more prevalent, not just in professionals, but in students thinking, gosh, like what, what have I signed up for? I have no business being a future social worker or a future nurse. This is this is not like, I'm, I'm just not worthy of this. I'm just wondering if you can comment on that. Yeah, I think that really the power in overcoming this imposter syndrome is recognizing that no one has all the answers. The smartest people I've met are people who recognize that learning is a lifelong journey. You will never have all the answers. And very few things in life are, are black and white. And it's okay to kind of revel in the gray. And celebrate learning a variety of perspectives. It's really about having a growth mindset and recognizing that um, setbacks and challenges are learning opportunities. And I think that's what's really important is recognizing that we don't have all the answers and that's okay. That's that, and, and, and that's awesome. Like when I think of black and white, the only things that I know that are black and white is what I view at the zoo. The, the pandas and the zebras, like that's the only black and white that I, that I really know. And, and sometimes those penguins will show up, right? Those are the pieces that I know for certain are, are black and white. And yet we, we second guess ourselves thinking that, gosh, I got into university. I've done so well, you know, thus far in my, my academic career. And somehow I'm supposed to be perfect at things, you know, and I don't know about you. I'm a recovering perfectionist myself. And it only took me about 27 years, you know, to kind of, you know, leave that perfectionism off to the side, still struggle with that, because I think it's, again, what you said in the beginning of this, this time together is the expectations that we have put on ourselves or the expectations that we think other people have said to us, but they have not helped us in this transition. So we think of that transition from high school to post-secondary and there's this missing link that I truly believe exists where we, we don't help students in this high school age other than, you know, gosh, you need to take these courses to get into post-secondary. But all those essential pieces of learning and skills, social, emotional, uh, you know, um, intelligence, 
it seems like those things have taken a back seat. And I'm curious about how have you seen, you know, peer support recovery colleges really take some ownership on that social emotional uh, learning and expertise in this sort of framework? Yeah, I think, um, you know, like you said, there's all these things like in that transition from high school to post-secondary, all these things that we're expected to know that we're never taught. And that is really at the core of a lot of the courses that we offer. Um, we go through like life skills, like things we go, like we teach people how to cook on a budget or financial literacy, things like that, that we are expected to just figure out Um as post-secondary students making that transition. Um, so really diving into stuff like that. Um, what are some other course names, you know, like what, what other courses are, yeah. You know, I love this. I love the life skills, the cooking within a budget. Cause I don't know about you, but I, you know, I lived off of ramen noodles. Okay. Mr. Noodles yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, and, uh, and diet, um, what was it? Sparkling grapefruit, you know, um, like that's all I had was pallets of this stuff and obviously not so good, but, but, we're, we're poor as students usually. Um, so that, that seems like that is a, a good fit budgeting, you know, cause y'all, y- we get our money from, you know, student loans and we feel like we just won the lottery, you know, and I don't know about you, but I used to use some of my student loans to go to like Florida, you know, like let's go, let's go to spring break. Let's go to somewhere warm, not realizing that that $400 trip, you know, to that I thought was a steal, uh, turned out to be about $2,700 with all the interest that I that I paid on. Uh, thank you, uh, Royal Bank of Canada. Uh, <laughs> this episode brought to you by RBC. Uh, we, 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 we appreciate all the student loans that you've given all of us. Uh, but what are some of these other courses that, that, are, that are being established again, like you said, by students? These are the things that they're wanting. And, and how's, that, uh, how's that coming to fruition? Yeah, so we're running so many really awesome courses. Um, one of the ones that we're running is called We to Wellness, uh, Confronting the Discomfort Together. So that course is really about anxiety and how it is a normal response to stress, but sometimes it can become a little problematic and how we can address that as post-secondary students. We do wellness planning and all those wonderful things. We also have Let's Talk About It, Adulting 101. And that's about how stressful it is to be in this emerging adulthood stage in our life and some really practical tools on how we can kind of rise to the challenge. We also have Community Connect, which is a social skills group. One of the things that we heard from students, like we launched this programming in post-secondary during a pandemic. Students wanted to survive isolation together and learn to connect in new ways and really keep up their social skills. There was a point during the pandemic when I was talking to students and we were all like, when was the last time we had to do small talk? This is hard. Let's remember how to do this. We're, we're not also, in an elevator anymore where we have to do these little <laughs> small little conversations, you know? Ex- yeah. Exactly. So in that course, we do something called a friend mixer, which is kind of speed dating, but it's speed friending. We played um, video games online as a cool way to connect. We did a movie night where we learned to connect via our um, interests in popular media and all those wonderful things. There's also a course called Skills for Daily Living, where we talk about some of those things Julia said. Like, I am a laundry master now because the students have taught me so much about how to do laundry. I wasn't good at it. I'm a master now. So if anyone needs laundry tips, hit me up. Well, and your clothing today looks very, very clean. It looks pressed. (laughs) Um, Very good. Holly, we're very impressed with this. 
awesome. all things I could have really used uh, some, some help with in university. I know in my residence, the laundry room was as far as possible from where my room was. And that was uh, a bit of a, a bit of a slog when, <laughs> when it's the middle of winter and I have to pass through the quad with a, you know, a hamper that's overflowing. So I <laughs> really appreciate your teaching that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I love what you're talking about in terms of like people still wanting connection, right? Mm-hmm. So the idea that people still need connection is is really important. And but how 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 do we learn tolerance? How do we learn diversity of opinion? How do we learn uh, the idea that you know it's not just my culture? We can get really so ethnocentric. We can get so egomaniac. And not even realize it because we're we're in this pandemic and we're just kind of going off of what we've already what we've learned and we're not really in community. We're in with our families. And I don't know about you, but sometimes it's within families where we feel like we can kind of say whatever we want and maybe you know disrespect people a little bit more. But here in community, it's like, how do we get along and how and this has been loud and clear, how do we learn from the differences, right? Because this, this is a different mindset, isn't it? It's, it's this mindset that the practitioner is not the expert, right. right? So this changes student services. This changes how we do this work because it, it, it's not about the clinical language. It's not pathologizing. It's not all of these. This is not the spirit of peer support. And, and so you have this unique opportunity to really create this foundation for, for young people. And uh, it's just really quite exciting. Um, Holly, last word in terms of like, what's, what's the next couple of years look like uh, in your mind uh, at an Ontario Shores and the work that you uh, and Julie are doing with post-secondary students as it relates to recovery and uh, peer support? Absolutely. Recovery is of the utmost importance to Ontario Shores. And this is something that will continue to be a priority. And we are looking forward to seeing where this goes. I think we're really at the forefront of such a powerful movement. This is a movement um, where we start to recognize that students are experts in their own experience and they know their needs better than anyone else. So I am thrilled to be here it, at the forefront of this movement with my colleagues and these students. And I just really can't wait to see how it continues to evolve and take off and how we continue to prioritize and maximize the student voice in these ways. Because mm-hmm. we know that peer support is happening across our country. There's a peer support, peer support movement that has been going on for years. And, and yet this recovery college model of peer support uh, does look different. And so what's really key for our listening audience is to, to check out, you know, Recovery College, check out where it started in the UK. In fact, Recovery Colleges in the UK are mostly on post-secondary campuses. And so, again, this, this idea of building in some structure that people can relate to and, and then thrive together. Uh, I really love the example that you you gave about the, the weeping willow tree. And again, what we know about that, that willow tree is the importance of deep, deep roots. In order for that tree to withhold and withstand all this movement, 
the importance of it being deeply rooted to those nutrients. And so I think here's a great opportunity for students to get connected to the supports on their campus. And, and don't wait until you're in distress. Don't wait until you're in crisis. Find those supports on your campus and check them out. Give them, give them an opportunity, you know? And I think, uh, James, you know, when, when you were a student and Holly and, and Julie, you're, you're both students currently, you know, what would it look like if you didn't know what your campus had to offer, you know? And you're just kind of like, you're, you're just frailing, you know? Like, there's, like, where do I go? What do I do? We don't do a good job at orienting students to post-secondary without question. We say, hey, you're an adult, go to our website, go to our app, sign up for this. It's all on your responsibility. And yet the information is there, but there's this disconnect, right? Um, and so I'm wondering from all three of you, how would you encourage a student to get connected to the resources to, I think, like the greatest toolbox ever, how would you encourage them to do that? Yeah, it's funny you bring that up, actually, because we just had a co-design event with Durham College. And that was, I think, one of the biggest things we heard from students was, I don't know how to navigate resources. I know that there is a lot of resources on my campus, but I don't know how to access them. I don't know what ones there are. Um, so that is actually something that we're going to put in our skill development class is navigating resources because it's a really hard thing. Um, you're on information overload, especially in first year. Um, where you're getting email blasts, newsletters, all these things, um, but it's really hard to kind of navigate them. Mm -hmm. um, I would say do your research and talk to other people. Um, like we said, learning from one another. Someone else might know of a resource that you could leverage that has really helped them. So talk to people, really do your research. Um, but it is a difficult thing to navigate as a student, for sure. That's so great, Julia. And I as you were going through that, I was thinking of the do your research part. And my contribution to this question is about breaking down those goals. Because I know you always might hear, I have these resources, but there's so many of them. So breaking that down, oh, today I'm going to look at this website for 10 seconds. And we know with goals such as chores, if we're setting smart goals, um, we're setting them to be manageable. And we're setting them to be attainable we're setting them to be something realistic and there's there's so much going on in our lives right now Just take that 10 seconds look at that website for the first time then maybe the next day you can look one more time maybe for 20 seconds and just get familiar it's it's not as intimidating as it may sound mm. and i think making the realization that this is productive, investing in yourself by connecting yourself to resources is productive. You spend 100% of your life with yourself. This is a worthwhile investment. Um, and it is really, really hard, but this is part of self-care, recognizing that you are worth the time. You are worth taking responsibility over. And also recognizing that some things aren't going to happen overnight but planting those seeds for future happiness, planting that willow seed for future happiness is essential. And planting the seed can be sending an email to say, I'd like to learn a little bit more about your service. That's a seed, right? So I think that that's really, really important. And, and it's going to be awkward. 
right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but but listeners, okay, so if you're a post-secondary student, you're in high school moving to post-secondary, one of the takeaways that I'm hearing from this, these last bits is if you're getting some really good support, tell somebody about it. You know, d- don't keep that to yourself. You know, this is the realities of peer support is if something's working, uh, people don't go to a co-production and kind of hold that, you know, for an hour and a half and at the end kind of slip you a note to say, hey, this is what I think, you know, uh, this is what's worked for me. So there's this idea of sharing, you know, we can still have our autonomy, we can still have our inter, uh, independence, we, we can still work on relationships and connectedness. But if you are getting some support that is really good and it's just kind of blown your mind, or it's just this little other piece, okay? We're not only taking back resilience in terms of bouncing back, but we're taking back self-care. It's not a bubble bath, okay? It's, it's not a Starbucks. It's not, you know, even though I love Starbucks, it's not those sorts of things. It's about doing things that are a part of your goals, part of your trajectory of wanting to flourish. And whether it's time management, skill development, learning how to cook, saving a few dollars, connecting with somebody that seems polar opposite than yourself, it's, it's all about taking that first uh, and second and third step. You don't have to take a leap, okay? And so uh, thank you. Thank you folks for, for joining us. Uh, listeners, if you want to go and learn more about uh, Recovery College and uh, peer support, go to ontarioshores.ca, just in their search thing, put you know peer support, and uh, the first thing you're going to see on there is Recovery College 101. Like, how great is that? And they go on to, to talk more about their services. Uh, I know that, Holly, Julie, this is not the last conversation that we're going to have. Uh, we're really, really thrilled that you've joined us today. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you so much for having us. It's been wonderful to talk to you both. Yeah.